All right, it's the Brad and Brit cast. Thank you for uh, being part of uh, our little teeny tiny little world, and and small it is. You know, you know, Brit. I uh, uh, very often strain. I bend over backwards sometimes to play audio, just because that's what you do. We're an audio podcast. Yeah, we're we're live on on Facebook and uh, whatever. Uh, Schittler. What are we live on that Schittler one too? Schittler. Yeah, that's the one. S H I T L R. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um. And so, and, and we could lose listeners, advertisers, viewers, everybody, because uh, we're. We're just uh, doing something that just it just it just sucks, and I see stories sometimes everywhere. And I go, oh, why is everybody falling for this shit? You ready? We're gonna fall for the um, emotional support alligator story. Oh boy, seen this one? Yes, and it Good. and it does suck. Yes, right? it, it it does suck. The guy's name is. Joel, Joey, J-O-I-E. Already a problem, right? Mm. Already a problem, J-O-I-E. A grown-ass man well into his senior years called Joey. And he named his alligator, his emotional support alligator, possibly the most unoriginal name ever for <clears throat> an alligator. Uh, and And here is a clue. Okay. You bet you baby boomers jack off over some old school television, don't you? <laughs> uh, Joey J O I E Henny says he he looked after Wally and two other juvenile alligators after they were found in a pond in Orlando. So it's Florida man yeah. as emotional support alligators. That should be the headline. Two of them went to sanctuaries, but he bonded with Wally and says he was surprised when Wally Gator. Then, only about 20 inches long, never tried to bite him. He wouldn't eat live rats. He really showed a love for cheesy popcorn. On and on it goes, the, the stupidity here. Britt, is this story going to end well or not well for, oh, of for this guy? The sense with him being murdered in his bed by his friend Wally Gator, of course. Right. That's Wally exactly Gator. what's going to happen. That's exactly and precisely what's going to happen is that Joey who couldn't get laid with a fistful of 20s at a whorehouse getting murdered by the alligator at about three in the morning. Yes. That's exactly what's happening. Okay. There's, there's Wally Gator. Oh, we baby boomers. We love some Hanna-Barbera. Don't we? Brad? <laughs> there's just nothing like it. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, what a hey Brit, Brit, I, I have a fistful of Marvel. You can shove up your ass. <laughs> Is it the Thanos glove with all the stones in it? Because I would do that in a heartbeat. 
It's funny because both you and I have caught to the idea that we were more DC fans than we're Marvel fans. We're like the only two guys that ever like DC comics more than Marvel. Yeah, never Marvel, never Marvel. It, it was weird. You know how? My, you know how? And, and I'm not really a comic book guy anyway. I'm I'm a reluctant, barely, yeah, Superman reading comic book guy. From, but because when I went to summer camp, you know, everybody's reading comic books at rest hour. That's what of you course do. You read comic books. And at that point, I hated all that that other shit, all the uh, the fantasy shit, and I went with something real, Superman. He's that's I didn't, that was that's how I formed my whatever comic book affection that I have, which is very little. Very Let's little. keep with our uh, baby boomer theme. Have you seen the story about Mickey Dolenz? I have. I have not. You know, he was in a. In a movie called Circus Boy. Are you aware of that, Britt, when he was young? He was an actor. He was an actor. Uh, the, when the Apparently, there's an FBI file. Uh, the, the only remaining monkey, once it released, he's filed like a Freedom of Information Act to have the FBI file on the, the monkeys released. This is from J. Edgar Hoover shit. So mm -hmm. he wants uh, it, it all out there in the open about exactly what the FBI was uh, surveying. Well, when it came to the monkeys and everything else. I, I, I would want my name cleared also if I were Mickey Dolan's and uh, the, the the best years of, of my life were over 50 years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> All of his friends and, are dead, Brad. Whatever ha wait, whatever happened to the idea that certainly at this point you should say it would have been a compliment, compliment, to have been on an enemies list oh, or God. investigated by the FBI. What, whatever happened to that? I think that was one of the great, uh, I mean, uh, of all the honors that Paul Newman had in his career, being on Richard Nixon's enemies list was one of the greatest honors that he would fly around and, and parade around like crazy. For, for anybody that was on that list w was saying that. Uh, Daniel Shore, the CBS reporter, he, he was thrilled that he was. He loved that. Yeah. all loved it. It was great. Right. It was a it was a badge of honor that you were that you were doing some, you know, it it's so great. Woodward and Bernstein never even bother to mention that they're on there because it just kind of goes without saying, right? <laughs> it's true. They, it's had, true. they had to be investigated. Uh, Dan Rather was well hated by the Nixon White House. And, uh, by took the it way, as a I like Mickey Dolan's. I, I like him. I like him. I, I think too. he's a funny guy. Um, you know, I hope he, uh, I hope he lives a, a long and, and prosperous life even from here. That's, I, that's a fun story. I I like that. Um, they got kind of wacky. If you've ever seen the movie Head from 1968, when they kind of took off there, and that was one of Jack Nicholson's first little experimental deals. It's kind of a bit of an acid trip. It's a wild-ass movie that's they say was a pioneering movie in uh, music videos. Britt, uh, uh, in my years in, in Boston in the early 80s, uh, at the Pussycat Theater, there was a movie called Head, and it was not about that no, at all. It was, it was a different, different movie. Completely different. Completely different movie. You needed to hose down those seats after that yeah. particular uh, exactly. showing of that one. By, by the way, there was a, a, a theater called the Pussycat Theater in the Combat Zone in Boston in the uh, in the early eighties. Was what, in, you know what we used to do? Here's what we used to do. We used to that was back in the days when everybody had the the automated phone uh, yeah. listings where you would call up to find out what movie was it. And so we would call, and every week, of course, they would they would change it, and they go. Welcome to the Pussycat Theater. <laughs> this week, it's Deep Throat, Deep Throat 2, The Devil and Miss Jones, at, and Caligula 7. 
<laughs> the Pussycat Theater is located on blah, 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 Beacon Street in Boston. I loved it. It was great just to hear somebody say that. Were there any were there any dudes that would go into that theater and like eat popcorn and drink a drink while you were watching one of those films? Because you were taking your life into your hands anyway, just by entering. But the amount of bacteria and just foreign bodies and anything that could have entered your body through food and drink at one of those places must have been a biological nightmare. Like a Dr. Fauci standing outside with his arms crossed, please, please, if you're going to go in, please don't consume any food or drink while you're in here, for no. fuck's sake. And try not to breathe. I'm sure sanitation was an issue, and I, I know you're not going to believe this. I never was there. I never Strangely, went. Strangely, the, uh, the place in Asheville was called the Fine Arts Theater, and they used to advertise in the Asheville paper with all of their, their great showings. I do remember that as a teenager, seeing that in there. All right, I got a list. I got a list. Here you I'm go. ready. I'm ready. You can see it if you're uh, looking at us. If the Fed just had more white guys. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, no special master needed, Don. Get a hobby. Um, we ain't paying your goddamn lawyer bills, Don. Love the Republican National Committee. And to make it all the way around. Don making out with the cues again. Yeah, let's start there because uh, he is uh, to say that Donald Trump is freaking out is completely understating it. Right now, he's spreading all sorts of QAnon bullshit on Truth Social. Uh, he is again re-upping his demand that we hold a new election now or just appoint him president. Uh, it looks like we're seeing a massive all-time record freakout from a guy who's had many freakouts, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his uh, actual circulation on his uh, social media failure is, is very small. It only comes when people like us or anybody else, you know, talks about it or, or, uh, or answers it. Um, Here's the uh, line here from Ben Collins. He's the uh, NBC guy who has uh, either the worst or the greatest job in the world. He just sits there all day long and looks at this shit. Okay. God that, almighty. That, that, yeah, that's his job. So uh, on his Twitter feed, I'm reading Ben Collins's Twitter feed. It says QAnon forums are obviously ecstatic and bloodthirsty after Trump's Q endorsing tweet storm this morning, meaning Tuesday morning. They'd been relatively dead in the last few months, the QAnon forums. The users were headed over to general Trump forums and militia Q influencer telegram uh, sites. Not anymore, because Trump retweeted a meme of himself, that famous picture of Trump with his red tie blowing to the to the uh, yeah. to the to the right. He's just sitting there at the table and the meme at the top says, the deep state whispered to President Trump, you cannot withstand the storm. And then at the bottom of the, tw uh, of the meme, it says, the president whispered back, I am the storm. <laughs> well, you can imagine that is, uh, that's, that's tantamount to, to full orgasmic oh, reinforcement sure. oh, for sure. the QAnon people. Um, who, are, who are, by the way, pretty crazy and it would be funny except that they're so associated with domestic terrorism that you can't really laugh it off yeah yeah uh so that, can we 
uh, go back to the previous uh, Brad and Britt cast. We did this, that one on, on Monday. We were talking about this. And you were you were a lot more emphatic than, than I was. I was uh, a fairly dismissive of the idea that Lindsey Graham will be the person who has uh, uh, awakened the mob to uh, take to the streets and destroy America and start a shooting civil war should Donald Trump get indicted. And I, I took the other side of it mm-hmm. and said, I don't think so. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think there will be a big nothing when that happens in terms of, of uh, actual violence or anything. And, and, and here's why. Um, I believe that. I believe it even more. Because these people are getting sentenced every day now, the people who are there in Washington. And, and they're not just getting, you know, three months and then, you know, probation. Right. Uh, and, and your resume doesn't look quite so good when you go out to get a job. Now, they're going to, to prison for, for three, four, five years at a time. And your life is over. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, try to get a job, try to get a good credit rating, try to get a that's mortgage, right. try to get anything. Th- that, that's right. And um, as as time goes on, even though we can't quantify it, we can't see it, we, we, we can't measure it for sure, and polling is, is pointless on, on, on something like this, I think the actual number of people who are – now willing to uh, physically lay down their lives because that's what you, you would be talking about if you would answer the call of Lindsey Graham, which of course he denies that he's actually advocating it. He's just letting you know. He was just providing information to the world that just in case there's an indictment, well, the cities are going to burn, right? Uh, people are going to die. Uh, pe- no. Uh, and, and I feel even more so today. And it's not relevant whether Lindsey Graham is apologizing or not, because the, the game of, has he apologized for that? Forget that. It's not even, it's ridiculous. No, forget it. It's not going to happen. Um, but when you think about Trump's reach, direct reach now, compared to what it was when he had Twitter and when he had Facebook, it is, it's probably by a, a factor of, you know, one one hundredth, one one thousandth of of the reach, right? And by the way, can I go off ramp for just a moment here? I have a I have a real real problem, and this is all over uh, every media outlet you can think of, every expert, all of them make a huge mistake. And here's the mistake, and uh, you will see it. You might see it today. You might see it tomorrow. But it will happen. Um. Let's just say, uh, Britt, you have $1,000. You have $1,000. And then two weeks from now, you only have $100, okay? So you have $900 less than you had. You lost 90% mm-hmm. of what you had. But a lot of people will say... Um, uh, what you you only have ten percent of what you had. A lot of people will say you have ninety uh, percent. Okay, I fucked that up completely. Can we edit this out? I'll get it right. I'll bring. I'll come back to it. I'll come back. Yes, no, I, I mean, I, I I can't. 
there there is something and i'm right about it but i can't explain it so let's go to the next subject. <laughs> let's go to you were, you were talking about the the tiny reach that donald trump has yeah tiny reach oh no okay right this is the point this is the point now i have it right okay they will say if he has one one hundredth of the people who can read and see him now mm-hmm. they will say donald trump has a hundred times less reach than he had right now you know what i'm saying yeah i know what Rick, you're saying you, you had a, you had a thousand dollars now you have a hundred okay yeah um Britt, you have 10 times less money than you had before wow watch for that okay watch for that but the and point is he... why can you see why i had trouble bringing it up because it's so stupid they, it doesn't fuck, make it, any sense. they fuck it up so much I mean, that's the true, by the way, that is the true definition of decimate, which is bring it down to a tenth of what it used to be. What you're talking about there is that is the true value of of decimate. Right, Um, right. Uh, You you don't have 10 times less. You have one tenth of what you had. Exactly. You have 90% less. Yes, that's right. There you go. Okay. Watch, Watch for that. You'll see it. You'll see it. And there is the uh, look. The Truth Social has been barred from Google Play Store. So if Google has a problem with what you're doing, you're really fucking up. So, so I guess you can still get it in uh, on uh, on Apple. Apple hasn't yeah. canned them yet. I, I would say for a small amount of time, and it's probably not that long until Apple says uh, we're out. Yeah. See ya. Get out of my face. Hey, if it's like everything else, Apple will not only ban it, but they'll announce that they perfected the banning. He does. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying uh, in terms of people serving punishments and some of those people who were like. They talk a really good game. They talk about the tree of liberty needing to be watered with the blood of tyrants and all of that other horse shit. Uh, but when, it, when a push comes to shove, they're huge pussies and they start crying in the courtroom and they can't believe they did all this shit. But at the same time, there seems to be an endless supply of dumbasses who are willing well, to go out there and they've got a rolling start on terrorism. You've seen that well, already. Well, I, I know that, but, but just think, remember... The cream of the crop was in Washington on January 6, 2021. That was the best of the best. Those were the most committed. Um, and if you were not there or if you were, you know, a couple miles away and you, you didn't get tagged for it anyway, is your predilection now to go back to the well and sacrifice your life for Donald Trump? And I don't care how boastful you are in real life and you're talking, and he's still the president, all the shit, right? I I don't think that's going to happen. And, and uh, uh, it would be, of course, it would be helpful if there was a Republican Party, uh, but Forget there isn't. It. We know that. And, it. They've, uh, they've completely, they're, they're in line with him hook, line, and sinker. They've, they've right. established, that's their identity. I, I understand the, the uh, minute Trump would get invited and the uh, minute one Molotov cocktail would be thrown somewhere at some point, there would be Republicans who say, well, I don't condone the violence, but I understand it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, violence, but I understand it because Hunter Biden, because Hillary's email. I mean, that, that, we know that's going to happen. Stolen election. I, don't think, I don't think that's the makings of a, a, a mass movement of, of violence. Charles fucking Grassley is so out of it now. The other day, uh, I can't remember uh, which atrocity it was associated with. But I think it's a it's a recent one. Maybe it was like a, a guy walking into a, a supermarket and saying he had a uh, an AR-47. 
AR-47. Yeah. <laughs> was that the year that Grassley lost his virginity? Is that uh, is that what he was going for there? Yeah. <laughs> or it might have been an AK-15. It was one of those two. AK-15? It was AK-15 or AR-47. One of those two guns. Look, to be, to be fair, Grassley's still drunk from the Iowa State Fair, so he'll sober up in a week or two, and he'll be fine. Everything will be good. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> But he's freaking out. I mean, there's, he's putting all of this bullshit on to uh, – and by the way, uh, his his enablers are going nuts on Twitter. The Ted Cruz's and the Jim Jordans and the Lauren Boberts and the people that still have Twitter accounts are still doing uh, his bidding for him and all that shit. They're going, they're going crazy today. And it's just all of the greatest hits. Uh, they're, they're very upset. The greatest hits in order. The way you voted them. This is true. Number one, Hunter Biden's laptop. Let's do the Republican National Committee refusing to pay Trump's legal bills store. This is the best. This is the best because it it goes back to to the look. If you have a couple billion dollars to your name, lawyer bills are are nothing. They're like they're like pin money to you. Right. They're just the cost of being alive, of doing business. But somehow Trump has managed to alienate the entire legal profession from from top to bottom with okay not the very bottom he's got access to the very bottom right and people willing to work you know, for nothing because i guess it's kind of understood at this point you're you're not going to get paid so here's the story um this is out of politico the rnc had been paying trump's legal bills and there was a caveat on that, that if you go third party on us, that's it. We're, we're pulling the plug. Now, not directly related to that, but similarly related to that. Um, any legal fees having to do with Trump's retention of government documents, in other words, the whole Mar-a-Lago bullshit, they're not going to pay for it, which could explain another reason why no lawyer of, of, of decent repute will work for him because at least if you knew if he could say to you don't worry the rnc is paying the bills you might have yeah. been able to get somebody somebody right. who would be mercenary enough to do it but now that this is out there wait a minute the lawyers he has now are probably the best lawyers he's ever gonna have this is as good as it gets for him it's never right. gonna get the, any better uh, i mean when- southwestern law school in orange county who is on one american network you got her uh, I mean, sorry. Uh, just think about that. The, oh, no, the, it's not going to get any better. And, you know, when Dershowitz goes on TV and he goes, well, I think that this guy at Harvard should be on. No, the guy at Harvard is too smart to do this shit, Alan. It's over. Anybody who has any reputation at all, anybody who cares about something like, I don't know, getting paid would not work for Donald Trump. I, I just love the fact that it's not a conjecture it's not a supposition he really does pick whoever he thinks he might want to have representative for his representative by watching tv and if there if someone is on fox if they find some lawyer on fox somewhere who you've never heard of he will then say i want that person because as always if you if you compliment him at all then suddenly he likes you and he wants you to come work for him. We have uh, Chris Kise, K-I-S-E, who is the Solicitor General of Florida in another life. 
He has been hired today, Tuesday. It was announced. That's about as good as uh, as it gets. And if the uh, Republican Solicitor General of Florida, who was probably hired by uh, Rick Scott, who had been the governor of Florida, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably a third-rate hack, too. I, I don't know that for sure. It's just something I believe to be true. That's the best. That's the best you've got. He can't even get that Pam Bondi, okay? He can't even get her. Right. Who he'd like to fuck, but oh, yeah. that's off the boards. But wasn't wasn't she the uh, attorney general of Florida for a while? And, and actually is not really stupid. But even she, of course, because she's not really stupid, you don't see her. She's not involved in the case. And... Uh, you know, she does have a law license that she could practice in Florida. You know, there is this thing. And I guess one of the problems with that that uh, that woman who's uh, always on TV represented him right now, the one from, from California that was on TV, apparently she didn't even go through the, the uh, correct procedures to be able to practice in Florida because there is some reciprocal agreements that are struck that if you don't have a license – in a certain state, you can come there temporarily to practice or for special reasons. Everybody kind of does. But apparently she didn't do that. No. So that makes it even worse. That makes it even worse uh, if it's if it's at all possible. I'm looking at Chris Kais. He is a magna cum laude graduate of that Florida State University School of Law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I can't even believe they got anybody. I mean, he, he has at least passed the bar in florida from what yeah. i'm reading so i mean that's yeah. that's a little shocking yeah no i know but you, you, and it's not even you said fox he can't even get people on fox it's on one america and all those other bullshit networks the mypillow.com network and whatever well, why, why doesn't judge janine defend him she defends him on tv every week right exactly yeah you wonder why i guess you can't take the pay cut tee Let's talk about the special master, which is more like a special bastard. Uh, yeah. The the pretext, the bullshit pretext of Trump a few days ago saying, I need a special master to look at all the papers to see which ones would actually be covered under executive privilege or weren't really classified, which is all just trying to kill time. He's, he's trying to kill time until he's dead. We know that. He's trying to, to run out the clock here. Um, the problem is that the purpose for which there would be a, a third party, a, a, a hired, trusted person that the judge would, would, would put in there to look over these papers to see if there was anything exculpatory, which there would not be. No. Because it is not relevant whether they're classified or or not. Um, the FBI has already done this. They've already separated out any of the uh, uh, papers. They call it a special filter team. Filter team. They've looked over the documents and they found a few. They call them a limited set uh, that would have been protected by attorney-client privilege. And there they are. That's the end of the story. There's no need for someone else to come in and do the same thing. The only need 
is for Trump to have that occur so that he could waste more time. That's, that's exactly right. And that's the only reason. So the question here is, is this judge who was a Trump appointee, the, this is the one up in uh, uh, St. Lucie County, like a couple counties up from Palm Beach County, that they went judge shopping for. Judge Eileen Cannon. Yeah. Is she going to inexcusably allow this delay to occur? Because then people like us will say, well, there's a Trump judge doing mm -hmm. Trump's bidding for him to just helping along just you a little to, bit. Absolutely no reason. That's what's going to be said. Are you ready to open up your third eye on Judge Eileen Cannon? Bachelor's degree, Duke University. Law degree, University of Michigan. Double trouble, Brad. Get her out. Get her out. Get her out. <laughs> Once again, the Duke University problem rears its ugly head and is cemented with a University of Michigan law school problem. That, that, that's a nightmare. That's, that's, that's just an, an, an honest-to-God nightmare. <laughs> there you are. Open up your third eye. Yeah, the, the, but it is going to be delay, 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 which has always been what he's going to. But when you delay, that's going to rack up more legal bills, which he can't afford already, and he can't really get anybody. At some point, even these people that are serving now that are on his legal team are going to say adios. Because they always do, because the checks stop coming in, or they realize this is a losing horse that I'm riding. In fact, it's a dead horse. And they're off, and then he's not going to be able to get anybody to present these bullshit arguments. I, the, the special master thing was clearly something that this group of dumbasses pulled right out of their butts, right? This is this is like the, the, the Hail Mary of all Hail Mary passes. Who is a special master? And then they've got this woman saying, well, yeah, I, I might do it. Let, let, let's uh, uh, assume the worst outcome here, which is the judge says, okay, this is not a delay of, of, of five months to do this. Because apparently the FBI was able to do it over the weekend. Mm -hmm. They were able to look at this stuff and, and get it done. So th this is just another idiotic ploy, uh, as they all are. It's what he does. It's, it's what he's what he's all about hey here's a here's a uh, a little nugget this is interesting headline is support for labor unions highest since 1965 that's crazy 1965 yeah that's that's rubber soul revolver era Beatles stuff 65 that's, shit. that's good shit well i mean again yeah, you've got to you got a generation of Americans that don't don't know they're not supposed to like labor unions because they're socialist, communist, and whatever. They hate mama, they hate apple pie, and they, they shit on the Bible. Uh, you know that they're not aware of all the arguments that the dumbasses have made against uh, unions over the years. And in the COVID era, in the uh, Great Resignation era, where workers are empowered, there's a lot of young workers that feel like you know this union idea is not really such a bad thing. We should probably have some say in what we do for a living. 71% indicate support now for labor unions. Last year, it was 68%. So it's up 3% in one year. They've been doing The only time it was below 50% was in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, let's think about that. So 2009, that's right after, or as the country is in the deepest, deepest recession Correct. that any of us have ever lived through, unless we're, you know, we're 98 years old. Yeah, lots of people uh, being so fired. 
it was obviously the union's fault that that uh, the housing crisis clearly face and people people got mortgages that uh, they shouldn't have been allowed to it's obviously that was union union uh, doing so it's just it's just something because you're seeing all these stories you know the starbucks amazon everybody's uh, chipotle these are all uh, situations where you can see the workers are saying uh, i want to be in a union before we go can we talk about this whole thing and i'm boy this one has popped up pretty quickly here everybody's talking about the the uh, uh, people who fuck off at work or at home but they don't say anything about it. They're, they're not interested in their careers. They just want to hang in there. They're not trying as hard. Uh, careerism is, is dead. And workers are lazy, blah, blah, blah. And they don't want to go back to the office and, and yeah. all this other shit. Because there are so many more important things in life than work. So why would I try harder? Why would I work overtime? Why would I care? It's not important. My life is the, all, all that other shit. You know? I mean, I get it if that's if that's what you want to do. But, you know, to do well in America, you do have to work hard. That never changed. It's never going to change. I would just say this. There was an old phrase for that, Brit. You know it and I know it and everybody knows it. It was called phoning it in. Mm-hmm. OK, so I'm going to call this the phoning it in generation. <laughs> and they don't even have to do it on the phone, but they are phoning it in. They're, they're not trying very hard. They're faking to- it. You need to update it, zooming it in. So yeah, zooming it in. Going. Yeah. Um, this was the story that Morning Brew had, if you subscribe to that, and it's been all over the place, that investors are playing bets uh, bets on suburban office buildings. People won't have to go to the heart of downtown in a city near you. They can just kind of commute a few miles away instead of having 30-minute, an hour-long, two-hour-long commutes to a large metropolitan area. And there's uh, great investment companies that are banking on this is what's going to be happening. I, I, see, I don't know whether that's the issue. The issue isn't where is the office. The issue is the office or no office. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not, uh, I mean, I, I want to be at home and uh, I don't want to be obligated to go anywhere because this way I can take care of my kids and my dog and I can step away at, at any time. Now, I'm going to get all my work done. Believe me, I'm going to get all my work. And of course, well, this is the generation. Yeah, this is the generation that wants everything brought to them at home. and They don't need to drive. So somebody will come get them. Measurements have already started. Yeah. And and clearly the efficiency overall of of people. This is overall. This is in every case of people who don't work collectively in an office situation where they used to, where interaction between workers was an important part of the job. They are not as productive now. And guess what that does? That contributes to inflation. Because if you have more people or the same amount of people not putting out as much output, okay, that means less productivity overall. And that, I mean, and that's the most esoteric way to, to look at it. But I'm going with the, it's the phoning it in generation. They're, they're just phoning and they're happy to do it. And don't you tell them anything different. Don't you, don't you tell us about how you work seven days a week for your business for, for 20 years. Are we going to, but are we going to go with that tired old argument that we're human beings and we're social creatures? We need human interaction and all that horse shit. Is that one of the things that we're going to, we're going to go with as well? Well, Britt, it's, it's not a tired old argument because it's true. 
uh, because over time, if, if you never have any inter, I'll, I'll tell you a, uh, uh, a story here, right, right at the end. And, uh, we should probably do this at the beginning of a, of a podcast, but fuck it. We'll, we'll do it here. Um, uh, Jane and I yesterday watched the Monte Teo documentary mm-hmm. on, uh, on Netflix. And, uh, if you know about the story, you know about the story. If you don't, I'll quickly remind you, this is the guy who was the, one of the greatest college linebackers in the history of college linebackers. He played for Notre Dame. He was the best. He was excellent. He was fantastic. Um, his family was from uh, uh, Hawaii, and uh, he ended up going to Notre Dame, even though he really didn't want to go to Notre Dame. He really wanted to go to USC, Southern California. That's the problem right there. Right there. If he'd gone to Southern Cal, none of this would happen. Well, it, it probably would. It might not have, but but uh, uh, he got caught. He's the most famous person getting caught in a catfish yeah. scheme by somebody posing as a woman or as he would have called the her, his girlfriend for, for about two years, three years. And it turned out, of course, there was no such, such girl. And it was a guy. And the guy now is transgender 10 years later. That's a whole other part of the story. Right. Which is very disturbing also in its own way. But the reason I'm, I'm telling you this, I'm trying to relate it to uh, people thinking that they don't need to work in an office situation that an employer who says people work together in a socialized uh, atmosphere in the main overall is, uh, and this is my wife speaking. She's a psychiatrist. And she says to me, I have an unbelievable number of patients who say they have a, these are guys. I say, oh, yeah, I have a girlfriend. And her next question will be, well, have you ever met her? No, I've been, that's my girlfriend. I'm on Facebook. You've never met them. No. Well, Guess what, Britt? I'm going to apply the same standard here. You don't get to call someone your girlfriend. Really, if you haven't met her, if you haven't touched her, if you've, if you've never met her. Yeah. And and over time, I think that your relationships with people that you're, even if you're in in, in boxes on a screen every day with them, every day, every day, but you're <laughs> never with them. I think there's a big difference. I think there's uh, a big counterpoint. Uh, the office is frequently full of vapid relationships from passing people, and a lot of those people suck. You may have seen a show called The Office, which was kind of based on this. Thank you. I appreciate you playing. I'll give you a oh, copy of the home game. I, I forgot. I forgot to see that that uh, multi-year documentary, The Office. There's a reason that The Office was such a popular show when it aired and is more popular now than ever because it basically illustrates that working in an office full of cubicles sucks a bag of ass. But other than that, you made some great points there. I thought you nailed it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll be back. And a lot of people have said to, to us, they say, I'm sure they say to you all, Brad and Brit, your Brad and Brit cast is so much better now that the two of you aren't in the same room. We're not anywhere near each other. We're 20 miles away from each other. <laughs> uh, we've saved millions of dollars in gas. It's the greatest thing. You know, you know what? When, when do we start doing this? In like April of 2020? Yeah, yeah. April yeah. 2020. So we're, we're, we're almost or two and a half years of doing it this way. I'm going to figure out just how much money, cause I was driving to your place. That's right. I'll just, I'll just figure out in, uh, 
in, in rough terms how much money I, I uh, saved on on gasoline. Well, make you make sure you factor in when buy when uh, Brandon had all those uh, you know all that uh, gas up to five bucks a gallon. Make sure you put that in there. <laughs> Good old Brandon. 